I'm Mitchell Kaminsky. I'm Patrick Cushman. And you're listening to Penske Material. You are aware that uh, Penske is interested in me. It's showtime. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Ooh, let's go racing today, boys. Yeah. He's just a hack. He's just an absolute hack. Nice advantage, Martin. If you don't like that kind of racing, don't even watch. Kyle Busch is an ass. <sighs> you're not Penske Material. Welcome back to another edition of Penske Material. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. Joining us, as always, Patrick Cushman. Um, Pat, I think this is the first week that I can remember in a while that both of our guys had a top 10. Daniel Suarez finished 10. Brad Kozlowski, I believe, was 6th. Um, five, even one, even better. So, uh, good run for both of them, especially Brad. I mean, they've really shown some improvement, uh, near the back half. I've been impressed with RFK and, you know, we said a couple episodes ago, uh, we were debating about like, you know, the 17 car had shown some speed most of the year and Brad hadn't, he'd been getting out run, uh, by uh, his teammate almost the entire season. Um, and I think Brad's starting to show a little bit of speed in these playoffs, and they're making some improvement, which is what you want in a year one rebuild is uh, something to grow on. And I, I think heading into next year, you know, there's some positive steps moving forward. I, I think as an RFK guy, you have to feel pretty uh, confident, I, I would think, about uh, Christopher Busher and uh, Brad Keselowski. Yeah, I think a lot of... It's it's hard to see because Brad's very low in the stings, but you have to take into account he had a hundred point uh, penalty, um, and so in the owners' standings, without that hundred point penalty, the six is actually um, running fairly close to the seventeen. I think it might even be above the seventeen, even though the seventeen has a win. Um, but yeah, I mean, then they run good at several different types of tracks. I mean, Miami. Um, that's a mile and a half. I think that's, you know, those make up a big bulk of the schedule. You have to run good at mile and a half. Uh, Busher won Bristol, and Keselowski was probably the fastest car at Bristol. Yep. Um, and they've looked good at road courses throughout the year. And we know what Brad can do at super speedways. So, you know, I mean, they've shown, they've been able to show speed, especially later in the year, um, a lot more, a lot more consistent speed. Um, both of them qualified within the top 10, so things are looking up. I still don't think maybe next year, maybe they can sneak into the playoffs. Um, but I think they're really on the best way, because Roush realistically was at the point where it was like a C-minus team. They were on par with like front row motorsports, um, and that was coming from a team that was competing for championships just 10 years earlier. Um, so they took quite a bit of downturn, um, and they're just turning things around. Yeah, and you have to take into account, and that's why I think Denny Hamlin deserves a lot of deserves a lot of credit. It's not easy being an owner of a team while simu simultaneously driving too, and, and I think that's kind of affected him too. Because I think it's going to be, I mean, unless he wins next week, which I, I would feel like maybe short track they they had good speed the last short track at Bristol, but uh, this is going to snap a ten year streak I think for Brad Keselowski getting a win, which is. An impressive stat in itself, that he's gone that many years with at least one uh, win. But um, kind of burying the lead here, we'll, we'll talk about the playoff race. Boy, that was a blowout. And I think as far as blowouts go, it was a pretty entertaining race. I mean, sometimes it's going to happen. And like all sports, there's going to be just like one team that's significantly better than the others. And that was the number five team in this one. Uh, I saw a stat. If they went green the entire time, he, he would have lapped the entire field. Um he, he, like three times over. Yeah, he was just that quick. 
significantly better than everyone else. Um, and showing why he's the best one there is. And I, if I'm not mistaken, we both had him picked as the guy that was going to win that race. Uh, that's two weeks in a row. We've been kind of hit it on the head. We were, we were close with Elliott a couple weeks ago, and we both had Larson. And, I mean, I, I picked him to win. I didn't think he'd be that dominant because of how good the racing's been on these mile and a half. And actually, it was. I think uh, it was what we wanted. I know there's some concern about everyone running the high line, but what did you think uh, of the uh, the race down to Homestead? Yeah, it, it was almost exactly like I said. That was going to be a lot like California, where you run the high line, grab that momentum, um, and if you want to pass, you have to go low. Um, but if you go low and you don't make the pass, it's kind of risky. You know, you, you lose a lot of time. You lose all your momentum. Um, it's, it is a little bit short, so it's not as much as a Fontana is. But I thought it was great racing, you know, especially with the playoff drivers. Um yeah, you know, I thought it was good from, I mean, obviously Larson was the fastest guy out there. Like you said, I mean, he was on another level, um, but the racing was good. And a lot of people said, oh, it's just going to be guys running the top, single file. But it wasn't. Guys were taking chances and guys were able to make the passes. Yep. It was difficult to make a pass. It wasn't like you could just draft behind him and pass him, but you could set him up. If you set him up good, you could pass him. So that's kind of like the balance that you need, and these cars are bringing it on the mile and a half, especially. Um, but I will say too is Byron finished. I think it was Byron. Byron finished five points ahead of Blaney, or no, it was Bell. Yep. Bell finished twelfth, or he might have even finished in the top ten. But Blaney had more points despite finishing six or seven positions below him because of the stages. And so a lot of this, these playoffs are so decided by the the stages so you can have a top 10 but it might not be that good of a day because you didn't do well at the stages so i thought too that like putting into count the stage points and stuff was pretty interesting to track along the way yeah i mean that's definitely interesting which i mean begs the question like whether they should have the stage i'm all for the stages but i've heard a lot of people suggest this that you just keep racing like lap say like whatever it is that's the stage points you give them the stage points but they keep racing as it is that way you don't have to like strategy wise kind of screws your strategy because now if you're a guy in the bubble like denny hamlin next week do you go and try and like grab the stage points well then if you do it ruins your chance to get a win i mean i suarez was a perfect example he got a ton of stage points and that final race at the roval and then all of a sudden you know he's in the back and he has no shot at winning obviously the steering issues killed him but because of that his his day was over. I think there's a bigger problem with the road courses where if you pit two laps before, you won't get lapped. Right. Um, and so that is where, because like in Miami, if you do that, you'll get lapped. So there's no real incentive to pit before stage end. Um, but I mean, the, this is these are just replacing the, the phantom debris cautions that NASCAR would do for TV. TV likes it. TV needs its commercials. Um, they play them during the green flag too, though. So I right. guess... It doesn't really matter too much, but um, I think especially on the road courses, keep them green. Um, maybe on the ovals, you don't have to, but it would be interesting to see it either way. Yeah. I, it, now, as far as back to the, the racing goes, um, I'm really excited to see A.J. Allmendinger in Cup next year. I think that calling team, talk about teams making improvements, that might be like the next track house next year. I'd be would I'd be very surprised if he didn't make the playoffs. I, I thought the battle he had with Ross Chastain at the end was really good. And, you know, it was respectful, which you don't get a whole lot of, especially, you know, Ross, like we said last week, he's had his incidents, but that was a good, clean battle. 
both of them afterwards like went up to each other and you know uh were high-fiving each other or whatnot i mean that was a lot of fun fun to watch as well but i think the key is especially these mile and a half has been the tire degradation because there was times like ross started that race and i was like this one car is like pretty quick then all of a sudden late in the stage kind of falling back and i saw with suarez too he got all the way up to sixth and then just started dropping like great short run speed the tire has kind of been what makes these mile and a half great because when you have tire fall off the racing tends to be a lot better so um i, I thought that was very interesting to watch yeah, i mean and that was the thing with uh like kyle larson is that he was able to manage his tires so well and that does take skill you know it's not but that, that does you know it's balancing it out not running too hard at the beginning but still running fast enough it's a lot of strategy involved um and where you make your adjustments if you're going to be deep in traffic you need to adjust for that um so it's a lot of these things and when it's over 400 miles um and with the stage breaks you might have a bad pit stop and so you know it's it's hard to dominate a race like that um and so you can appreciate when someone does just that well now, this is one thing that I have noticed. I know you say never to compare stick and ball sports. It's a big pet peeve of yours to, like, to motorsports. But this is something I noticed throughout the playoffs, especially Homestead. And, you know, great race, one of the, you know, better tracks they go on. A lot of people think it's the best mile and a half there is. Big playoff race. The atmosphere at a lot of these playoff races, though, has been kind of lacking. Now, granted. Down in Florida, they just had the hurricane. I get people aren't going to be splurging, uh, spending much money on going to races. I've seen this throughout the playoffs, too. Like, the race I was at in Kansas, decent crowd, and obviously there was week one of the NFL, but, like, still, like, you know, a playoff event, you kind of want, like, a playoff atmosphere. Like, the race, that Formula One race they had down in Austin, and I know Formula One's, like, worldwide popular, but, like, it felt like a big event. Like, there was passes, you could hear the crowd. It was, like, electric. You would like to see the same thing for like NASCAR, like Bristol. That's why that one's so cool. It's because they get so many fans. It's like a big event for a playoff event. Like you would not know this was a round of eight playoff race at Homestead just by like looking at the crowd. The attendance is kind of lacking, and I, I think that's something. I, I mean, I don't know what you do to like fix it, but like we went to the race in St. Louis. That was a great crowd. That felt more like a playoff atmosphere than this. I wish NASCAR and these autosports would have you know if you could get generate some sort of playoff atmosphere. I guess if that makes sense. I think people aren't happy with the playoff system. Uh, I mean, the the ratings for this weekend weren't spectacular at all, especially for uh, the round of eight. And I think that just speaks to kind of people understand it's kind of gimmicky, and so people just see it as a regular race instead of like a. I think people are trying are seeing through the gimmick, to be honest with you, and I think especially when. You know, especially when a guy like Chase isn't leading. I mean, all the like to be fair, a lot of these guys who are in the playoffs aren't necessarily the most popular drivers. Like Chase Briscoe, you know, NASCAR. You know, without Kyle Larson, you have Chase Elliott in the playoffs, obviously, um, but he wasn't running very well all day. So, right, um, it's tough. I think they just see that through the gimmick, and it's really tough to compete with the NFL, especially. Um, in Miami, um, where they have a football team who's doing pretty decent this year. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it's just impossible to compete with the NFL. And Chase Elliott mentioned that a couple weeks ago when he says maybe something sometimes shorter is better. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not wrong. I mean, the fact that they're trying to go head to head with the NFL is kind of silly. And I think having the 
F1 race at the same time probably didn't help viewership, although they still beat Formula 1 in the ratings. Uh, but that'll be interesting to monitor. The other thing with Homestead, now I'm, you know, I'll be the first to admit I'm a very, like relatively speaking, new uh, NASCAR fan. A lot of people were saying Homestead should be the championship race. It's kind of a good track where the driver's going to decide it. It's a lot of like, you know, you need to be a talented driver. No gimmicks. It's not like a super speedway where it's like a random course. Uh, and so like a mile and a half makes sense to have the championship on. And this is the best mile and a half. Uh, Phoenix, obviously, mile and a half, not as good as Homestead. Do you, would you want the, uh, do you, are you one of the people that think the championship should return to Homestead? Or are you, would you rather have it move around every year? Or what do you think of it being, I, I guess, in Phoenix? Well, the problem is, too, is that the championship's in November. So you have to have it in the southern part of the country. Yeah. So that would be Texas, which we're not doing that. Um, Talladega, Daytona, Homestead, Phoenix, Fontana. And I think pretty much you could probably, might be able to do like the Carolinas, but you never know. Right. So it has to be in the southern part of the country. Um, and so really I think Homestead and Phoenix are kind of the only ones that you can get away with. Personally, I liked Homestead. Um, like you said, mile and a half make up the bulk of the schedule. Um, Phoenix is unique. It's a unique track um, with it being not a short track, but also not a typical mile and right. a half. I think it's like 1.3 miles, but then it's got the dog leg. Um, so I like Fe I like um, Phoenix isn't bad, but I think Miami is where the championship should be. A um, couple more things to Homestead before we kind of move into the Martinsville. I'm kind of jumping around here, but the one big pivotal point in the race happened with Martin Truex on pit road. And we've had a couple pit road incidents this year, but it seems like Martin Truex always seems to have bad luck. And part of this might've been his fault. I, you know, a lot of people were complaining about the glare and the sun. Um, so for those of you that didn't see it for any reason, going down pit road, Kyle Larson was behind Martin Truex, kind of pulled out late. Um, Larson hit him. He went spinning into the pit stall. Kind of a scary scene. His guys had to like jump out of the way, rolled into the pit stall backwards or spun in rather um so it's kind of a wild scene took truex out of the race and he had a pretty fast car he, i think he was easily going to get a top five uh finish maybe could have been in contention with a good stop there uh, a lot of people were blaming larson uh, online and i don't think that's really fair i think the sun was obviously in driver's eyes he pulled out really late as far as like wrecking someone on payroll like that was not nearly the same as like the ty gibbs incident which is like blatant like that seemed just like a racing accident um, I wouldn't put any blame uh, on Larson there, which I, I don't think many people are, but you saw a good majority on Twitter like that was Larson's fault. Um, and I don't think so at all. I think that was completely unfair. Well, Truex, I thought was, I think he was going to miss his pit stall. Um, and so he really got hard on the brakes. And Larson's following him, and that's what you're supposed to do. You're not, he's not going to give him, oh, take all the time you need, you know, give all the room right. you need, beat me off pit road, but it's whatever. You know, you're supposed to follow him. And so I think Truex realized he was going to miss it, so he got really hard on the brakes. And like you said, accidents happen. I mean, it, they're professionals and all, but it's not going to be perfect all the time. Racing accident, Truex was going to be late. Larson just tapped him, and it happened. You know, not everything has to be, you know, this big conundrum of whose fault <laughs> it is. Sometimes it's just an accident. You know, other thing that, well, two things that really bother, also bother me, like, where the hell was the spotter doing during all that? Either Truex wasn't listening to the spotter, because usually a spotter's counting down like 10, 5 towards the stall. Like, how does he not realize that? Like, Because I think you're right. 
I think he was gonna miss his pit stall, and it was like a late like reaction, like what the hell was the spotter doing, or Truex not listening? I'd love to hear the radio of that and see what happened, because uh, that's a problem in itself. And then a lot of people were like, well, you know, the pit crew should have just gotten their shit together and like had a better stop there. It's like, well, it came in backwards, which completely messes up the choreography of everything, and they almost got run over. So I think that was another. There's a lot of idiots on Twitter. Like NASCAR Twitter is a horrible place <laughs> to be. There's a lot of mouth breathers on there, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I like Penske guy, Ryan Blaney. Another fast car. Cannot seem to finish a race. It is always something with him. Uh, he spun coming off pit road. Don't really know what happened. You're concerned about the, the other Penske guy heading into the next round. Yeah, he's minus 11 to the cut. Um, but he's not. He's the sixth man in the, in the spot. So, I mean... 11 points out, yeah, that's one stage. And but, he, he's left 30 um, points on the board. Between the two accidents, at least 30. Yeah, oh, yeah, easily. Um, if not, he should already be locked in. Realistically, yeah. I think it was the fastest car at Vegas. Um, had the track position to win um, and just hit the wall. Um, and then this, you know, tough finish. Had good stage points, but tough finish. Um, which, if he even had a decent finish, if he finished 10th, he would be fine. But... It's not a must win, but he's really got to rack up the points and hope he gets lucky kind of thing. So, um, Penske typically brings good cars to Martinsville. Um, Blaney's not known for his short track prowess necessarily. Um, but I don't see him winning. Maybe a good point to say, but I don't... Uh, if you had to pick, if I had to pick in or out, I'm thinking out. I am too, because I think it's really going to come down. Assuming one of the playoff guys doesn't win, which is really going to mess things up for both of them. But between him and Denny, which is kind of like the three car, it's kind of a three car bubble between um, the 24 of Byron, Denny Hamlin, and Blaney for who's going to be out. Bell, I think, has to win at this point. Briscoe has to win. I don't see, I mean, Bell pulled one out at the Roval, but I don't see that happening again. I think the slippers kind of run out on him. Briscoe doesn't even belong in the round of eight to begin with. No way he's winning. Now that I say that, he's probably going to win. But, like, I, I, I don't see it happening. So I think it's going to be come down to those three. I think uh, Elliott's safe. I think Chastain's safe. Barring that they don't have some major mount function. As long as they finish the race, then the top 15, I think those guys should both be fine. So it's going to be that three-car three car scrap. And so I know you said you're leaning out toward Blaney. I guess who is the four? I guess, well, we know Logano's going to be in. But uh, are you altering your championship for, um, like, who are the last three you have uh, sneaking into the next round? Yeah, so I think I had Logano. Um, when I first started, it was Logano, Blaney, and I think uh, Elliot, and I think Hamlin. And then Seven. now I'm going to go Logano, obviously, still. Chastain, Elliot. I think Elliott, he's too good at Martinsville. He's been great on concrete this year. I think he just racks up enough stage points, stays out of trouble, makes it through. Chastain I'm worried about just because I'm worried about if Denny's going to wreck him. Right. Um, but I think Denny's just – he's good at Martinsville, and he has just got the experience. I think he gets it done and puts it in um, the fourth spot. So I think it's Logano, Chastain – Elliot Hamlin. 
See, I don't think, I think at this point, no one's going to wreck Chastain in the playoffs just because well, there's too much to lose. Because what if he damages his own car? Right. He doesn't totally wreck him and then Chastain gets him back. I think it's just too risky to wreck him. I totally agree. I think that's going to be something that happens randomly next season because these drivers have a long memory. Um, so I think that's definitely, I think payback's still coming for him, especially from the 11 car. It's not going to happen in the playoffs. My initial top four was Ross Chastain, um, Elliott, Denny, and Blaney. Um, so obviously, one of them is not going to make it. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Blaney, like you said. Byron, I would give a better shot of getting in. I, you know, obviously he won the first race um, here earlier in the year, so it's going to be a it's going to be a scrap. And I'd be a little. I'm a little concerned too uh, about Denny. I'd almost give the edge to Byron right now just like on paper but um i mean we'll we'll discuss our predictions here in a second I, i'm still i still have denny getting in and byron's going to be the uh, last one out the, the, when they first raced in martinsville the twins were far behind um and hendrick kind of had that edge i think that gap has closed yeah um and william byron just does not instill confidence no in me. i just i just don't think he's proven to be able to get it done he's run well but he hasn't run fantastic and i think if you want to make the championship four you're gonna to have to have one of those drives that are fantastic and i think i would rather trust denny hamlin to get that done than william byron and you know hamlin's got the skill at martinsville yep. um whereas byron yeah he did win but is he going to be able to dig deep and grab those points william byron to me feels like a guy that's like the product of his car like is he talented yes he's a solid driver but you put him in lesser equipment, like you put him in a calling car, I don't think he's maximizing all the points like out of that car. Like he's not a type of guy that can take like a ten or a, a tenth place car and finish at fifth. Like I just don't think he's that guy. I think he's running in the best equipment and he's a solid driver. So as long as he doesn't make mistakes, he's going to find himself up there. But like you said, I, I, when it gets down to the nitty gritty, I don't see him elevating to, to get it done and Denny is that crafty veteran and we'll go right into the predictions here because I was I was thinking about this for a while and I'm going with Denny Hamlin is my prediction for this race so because crafty veteran like you said Toyota's closed the gap um I think he's been pretty good at these short cracks short tracks um you know he he was running good uh, a couple years ago and then the uh, 48 uh racked him obviously that famous uh, thing but he needs to win I think they know it. Uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable unless I had a win point wise. So I think they're going to go for it. So that's who I that's who I'm going with uh, to win this one. At the very least, I think he's getting a top five. Yeah, I'm going to go um, with a non-playoff driver. It's been kind of the trend here, and I'm going to go with MTJ Martin Truex Jr. Gets I like that one. at Martinsville. Um, he as someone who didn't win on a short track for the first like. 15 years of his career he's become like a short track ace now yeah um and so i think this is kind of his redemption he obviously didn't make the playoffs he ran well all through the year just could not get a win yesterday he was running first it stall accident happened um and so he didn't finish as well um and i think he gets his redemption at his namesake track i think mtj gets it done I like that pick. I think that's a solid one. MTJ, it seems like it's been, it's been a total, I mean, not like it's been a total year to, for, to, get, to forget for him. I think he's ready for 2022 to end. But boy, I think it would be great for him to finally get a win. Because you know, like the championship, everyone's just kind of moving out of, way, out of the way for like 
the last four guys. So this is really, you got to think, his last chance to try and win a race this year. So I, I really like that pick. Hopefully his car holds up. It always seems like it's something. Like there's certain drivers you're just waiting for something bad to happen. Uh, and it's kind of been just that type of season for him. Um, the 18 car's kind of been the same thing. So we'll see. Um, another thing that came out, I don't know if you saw, the M&Ms have their final paint scheme release with all the fans on the car. What would you think of that? Would you rather them go with the throwback one, or what would you think of the mosaic-type look? I personally kind of liked it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. What would you think? Uh, tribute to the fans. Um, obviously, M&M's has been a sponsor for so many years, um, starting with Elliot Sadler, um, and then moving over um, with Kyle Busch. I hope Kyle Busch will always be the candy man, always be synonymous with M&M's and Double Mint and Snickers, and especially... The Fourth of July schemes with Skittles, yep. red, white, and blue schemes. Um, they've given us great schemes over the years, and there seems to be a trend among um, the farewell schemes. It's either mosaic, like a silver scheme, like Ally did and Dupont did with Jeff Gordon, or they do a throwback. Um, it seems to be always those three. Personally, I think it's cool that they did the mosaic, a tribute to the fans who have supported that team as one of the most supported teams. Kyle Busch always has his own merch hauler separate from the other JGR drivers. Um, even though he's like the most hated, I think people just love to hate him. I don't. I think like the animosity towards him is more of just booing him because that's what we do is we boo right. Kyle Busch. Um, and so it's going to be weird with him not driving an M&M's car every week um, at all. So I think it's cool. Cool tribute to the fans. I, I agree. And it's going to be, I mean, it makes it a little bit of an easier transition since he, it's kind of almost fitting. Eminem's is leaving and he's leaving JGR too. It would be weird to see someone else driving an Eminem's car at that point. Because um, like you said, he is the Candyman. So that'll be interesting for sure. Uh, one last thing I want to touch on before you know we, we wrap things up here. I don't know if you watched the, the new Race for the Championship docuseries, but they had the new latest episode that came out, Kyle Busch was kind of salty. He was throwing some shots at Joe Gibbs, um, you know, and I think that was unfair. I, I don't know if you heard, if you saw the quotes or not, but basically it was like, you know, he's been supporting me for all these years and just kind of felt like he abandoned me near near the end was like the brunt of it and like his wife was like yeah like i never thought we'd be in this position he thought he's gonna be driving the 18 car you know for the rest of his career i think it was kind of unfair on his part because they were trying to pay him and like he said joe gibbs has been pretty good to him like there's been a lot of moments where kyle bush has made pretty stupid decisions throughout his career joe gibbs has always had his back they're trying to get a deal done your sponsor leaves it's tough and it's not like they didn't make him an offer from what I heard, they made him a fairly lucrative offer, and I don't know if it's true or not, but the door bumper clear guys were talking. They said they he got like an eight-figured offer. Uh, don't know if it's true, but been right on a bunch of things, so they would know better than we would. Uh, so I, I think, you know, being salty at Joe Gibbs like that is, you know, kind of petty on his end, and, you know, we know he's not the most mature guy, but I, I took a little exception to that. And this is someone that doesn't even like Joe Gibbs racing, but Joe Gibbs racing's been pretty good to him, so for him to be... So butthurt about that. I mean, it's just how it's the way the business goes. And I thought that was a little unfair. Yeah, I see it from that perspective, but I also see it as someone who's a two-time champion, um, has won 200 races across all series, um, being upset that he feels like he's underappreciated, kind of 
feels abandoned. I mean, at one point he was the most marketable driver, um, always had sponsorship, never was, never career was in doubt. Um, so it's scary to go from that to, hey, we don't know if we can take you back. Um, so obviously, you know, emotions run high when stuff like that happens. Um, maybe his performance on track has kind of, it's declined the last three years. Um, maybe that has had some sort of influence, maybe he's feeling the pressure a little bit. Um, and yeah, so I, I, there's so many different perspectives. Um, it's a breakup. There's going to be two sides to that story and the truth is going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, so it's tough. Um, breakups aren't easy for anyone, um, especially a longstanding one, um, like Kyle Busch had with JGR. Um, but will always be him and Bobby Labonte will always be synonymous with that 18 car. Um, but it's tough to move on, man. I mean, of course, everyone would have liked him to stay in the 18 car. I think Joe Gibbs is no exception. He would have loved for M&Ms to stay and be able to fund, or at least someone to come in to fund Kyle. Um, but it just didn't work out. And like you said, it's a business. It's the way it goes. That's the well, that's the downside of motorsports. It's always it's expensive. You know, it's not a poor man's sport, and the sponsors kind of drive it. Um, let's go in. We're talking about paint schemes. Let's go into the wrap of the week. So last week, Pat, you took the dub once again, riding the Martin or the um, uh, Ricky Stenhouse car. Uh, it was fifty six forty four over the King's Wine Roll. So you get the first pick once again. Are you going with another Stenhouse paint scheme? Uh, it seems to be working for you. We've seen to have one um, here each week. That Doherty Team Doherty Racing has been—they've uh, been putting down some pretty good screams. So the floor is yours. I am not going to go with uh, Ricky Stenhouse, but I'm going to go with the goat. Not the greatest of all time, but the scapegoat, the guy who no one really likes, the guy who his boss wants out, but his daddy's job is kind of protecting him. The man himself, he kind of has a weird smile. He won one race on a fluke, gold custard, full custard, and his Dixie Vodka Ford Mustang. Um, cool color scheme, had the palm trees, Dixie Vodka was fun. They sponsored the race. They sponsored the car. Brought a really good paint scheme. I thought it was pretty cool. I'm taking him. I was very close to going with the Stenhouse Slim Jim car. But I decided instead to go with the uh, John Hunter Nemechek, the 45 car. It was the Columbia Sportswear car. It had a marlin on it. There was kind of the water with all the fish. Pretty cool. You got the pink lettering too. I think it was a. There's a lot of details in that car when you watch it on TV. Didn't really pop, but when you look at it up close... There's a lot of really cool details to it, so that's the one I'm going with. Another interesting nugget on that car, which you don't see a ton, and I think it was very telling. It almost makes me think Denny would have parked Bubba himself. They took Bubba's nameplate off the car. wasn't on the door or anything. You know, you saw with Kurt Busch when Ty Gibbs was driving it. They saw the Kurt Busch nameplate on the car. They took Bubba's off, which to me was very telling that... They were pissed off at him at 23:11, and it's going to be interesting to see his return. I think he's getting booed loudly during driver introductions, but he doesn't have a whole lot of friends right now in the garage either. I would think I can't imagine a lot of the drivers are going to be happy with him. So that'll be an interesting dynamic to watch. Clearly, Denny Hamlin is upset with him, uh, so that's going to be a story to monitor. I think next weekend going forward. 
Yeah, I don't think he's particularly popular. I think he has a very big standoffish attitude with the shades and kind of doing his own thing. He's had run-ins with a lot of drivers in the past. Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, Brad Keselowski, all have kind of voiced displeasure about his on-track behavior. Um, he already isn't really that well-liked, especially with certain groups of the NASCAR fans. Um, and this doesn't help, especially so. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what happens. We'll see if it motivates him like Kansas or uh, if he cracks under the pressure. Uh, that's all we have for you. Big race coming up at uh, Homestead to see who will be in the final four. I just hope the short track the short track racing has been ass this year. Hopefully we get a good one, kind of the chaos into the final round. We shall see, but that's all I got. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, NASCAR Euro Series oh, is going to be racing completely forgot. Um, I don't really know anything about the NASCAR Euro Series. I don't think anyone really does. Uh, but they're racing on ice, and so that's pretty cool. Um, don't really know any much more about it, though. I don't know how they figured that out to where they're even going to get the ice to like hold up. Because they had to do testing on it. So are they, like, they manufacturing their own ice, or are they just assuming that the lake's going to be frozen enough for all those cars? That'll be interesting. I mean, I'll I'll probably watch. Surprisingly enough, it's very hard to find a lot of information on the NASCAR Euro Series. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a thing and, until today. I knew they had one in Mexico. I didn't know they had a Euro Series. They have a Canadian one, too, the Pinty Series. Huh. Learn something new every day. There you, there you go. Well, there you have it, folks. That's all we have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week.